John Arquilla is chair of the Special Operations Program at the U.S. Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California. He studies Russia's military actions and relationships around the globe. Arquilla says that the Russian military's support of the Syrian government is key in many ways. I think that Syria offers them a kind of last foothold uh, in the Middle East. They, of course, remain on relatively friendly terms with Iran, but are even there putting pressure on the Tehran regime to stop proliferation efforts. Uh, Syria is one of those places where uh, the Russians can look to a a continuing place at the table in determining the course of events. And and certainly after uh, the situation in Libya in which they assented to a United Nations and NATO action against the Gaddafi regime, uh, they're unlikely to, uh, in their view, uh, sell out the regime in Damascus. Well, selling out or succumbing to pressure that is being put on Russia right now, I want to take a larger look at Russian-U.S. relations now because there was a fairly sizable pushback when presidential contender Mitt Romney called Russia the geopolitical foe for America. Many people consider that a real throwback to the Cold War. I wonder what you, as a military specialist with an eye on Russia, make of Mr. Romney's assessment. Well, the Cold War is over, but the Cool War is on, and clearly uh, Russia is on the other side of that. And it seems to me they do remain in uh, what Romney calls geopolitical terms a very great nation. H.G. Uh, Wells once said a great nation suffers but does not die. And that's certainly true of Russia. They're uh, smart. They have a lot of nuclear weapons. They've come through a great deal of economic and social adversity. And they're beginning to reassert themselves on the world scene. And so what does that mean right now? I and mean, what, what are you seeing? We've, we've covered the protests that have been going on that the Putin administration has cracked down on. But what are you seeing that would say that Russia is going to remain a considerable foe? Well, the most important thing is that they're rediscovering some very old ideas in in Russian strategic thought and that go back to uh, the invasion by Napoleon, which will uh, have its 200th anniversary next week. A young officer by the name of uh, Davidov came up with the idea of uh, nimble, small, networked forces operating deep behind the lines, did a great deal of damage to Napoleon's forces. And Napoleon marched into Russia 200 years ago with half a million men, and he came out with 5,000. And the great Napoleonic historian David Chandler says it was Davidov and his irregulars who did far, far more damage than General Kutuzov and his conventional forces. And today the Russians are uh, beginning to remember how much was done by so few. And they're realizing that with a smaller, smarter, nimbler, and more networked military, they can still do great things. And and what does that mean, a nimbler, more networked military? Well, what what it means is that the first war they fought with the Chechens between 1994 and 96, they tried to use brute force and they were defeated by the the small Chechen forces. But when the Russians went back in a few years later, uh, they came in with smaller numbers. They uh, negotiated with insurgent groups themselves and they, they basically defeated them decisively and pacified and brought Chechnya back within Russia. So that worked in Chechnya. Why does the U.S. need to be concerned with that? Because I think the lessons of the irregular war are the laboratory for the larger conflicts of the future. 
this has almost always been true in, in history as, as we go back and forth between periods of conventional and irregular warfare. What it says is that small groups are greatly empowered. Now, this is a lesson we should have learned from 9-11, right? When 19 individuals caused so much damage. We live in an era where the small group is empowered and if it's networked, it gets even more powerful. The Russians understand this. And by the way, they understand it in cyberspace as well, as well uh, where they're using cyber war techniques. They did in their war with Georgia in 2008. And they do so every day in, in the quiet uh, electronic cool war that's going on with us and with others. Give us an example, especially if something that concerns you and might concern you in terms of uh, the U.S. posture in the future. Well, I think we should look at the 2008 war with Georgia as uh, something like the Spanish Civil War from the 1930s where tanks and airplanes had a kind of proving ground. In Georgia, the Russians used cyber attacks to cripple the Georgian command and control at the same time that their forces on the ground were advancing. Remind us what they did. Did they bring down the entire system? Uh, there was a, a range of targeted uh, distributive, distributed denial of service attacks on key areas of uh, government and military control, but also uh, they knocked out the information infrastructure in the areas, the towns where they were advancing. So what they did was they created enormous refugee flows that disrupted Georgian forces trying to get to the front, uh, created a, a great amount of confusion that facilitated their uh, rapid advance and contributed significantly. If we scaled up these effects to a larger war, say on the Korean Peninsula or or in Europe or anywhere else, uh, this would have had devastating results. And it's an existence proof that cyber operations, which we think about in terms of uh, viruses uh, hitting your home computers and such, uh, that, that matters a lot less than the information systems upon which our military depends critically for its functions. We're empowered by information technology, but we're imperiled by its disruption. Back in the Cold War, um, the Soviet government said, it will bury us. Um, and this is as Khrushchev famously. I believe there was some shoe pounding that went with that. Then, in fact, before the United Nations, right on his desk. The goal right now, though, if the United States is still the enemy in what you're calling kind of a cool war, what would be what would be the goal? I mean, there are commonalities among the U.S. and Russia. There was a major arms control agreement that has been achieved. There is increased cooperation on Afghanistan, if not on Iran. There's cooperation on the space program. Why would Russia see the U.S. as an enemy or a target right now? I think the Russians are concerned about the notion that the shadow cast by the American uh, military machine upon the world is, is quite great. There's concern in Russia because what we call strategic defense they see as a means of disarming their nuclear arsenal. I think they and much of the rest of the world are troubled by our notion of regime change, tipping over other countries militarily to turn them into democracies. Uh, this is something that not only the Russians are, are concerned with, and I, and I think, frankly, we Americans need to have that debate as well. John Arquilla is chair of the Special Operations Program at the U.S. Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California. His most recent book is Insurgents, Raiders, and Bandits, How Masters of Irregular Warfare Have Shaped Our World. He spoke to us from the studios at KAZU in Seaside, California. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you, Lisa.